For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Colossians 1.16 Okay. Welcome to Witness Podcast. This is going to be episode five, and we are here with uh, Robbie Bowman and his wife, new wife of one year, uh, Joyce Bowman, spelled just like Joyce Myers. That's a shout out to Joyce about that. And so we are really honored to have them. Uh, I've known Robbie for a few years now, uh, maybe over a few years. Uh, he's come down once or twice to a uh, homeless ministry on the street we had. We went to SEC together for a little while. That's Shreveport Community Church here in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana with Pastor Denny Durand. Denny Durand. Yep, we went there for a little while. So um, uh, Robbie is here to, to tell us his testimony. So Mr. Robbie, I'm going to turn it over to you, sir, and uh, tell us a little bit about it. All right. Well, first of all, born and raised in here in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, I was raised in and around church pretty much my entire life. You know, it's like one of the first really good memories I have. And uh, I I accepted Christ when I I think I was seven years old. It was like a a summer, like one of those crusade type things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember the guy preaching had a mullet and uh <laughs> and he and i had a rat tail do you remember those oh yeah that's <laughs> yeah so i had one of those my hair was curly so you couldn't see it but i had one um but i remember him preaching about god being our father and because i i hadn't really experienced i never had the experience of having a dad you know he was just he was always gone and I just remember that, like, not just that the words were like what he said. It's like, I could feel it like, wait, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. So that was when, um, I was saved. And, uh, from there, it wasn't always easy. Um, the household I grew up in was very abusive okay. and, uh, that really, <laughs> Messes with it's not the the physical abuse is although it's often talked about you know um, especially today and with the knowledge that we've gained but the mental abuse that comes along with it is far worse than a belt or a fist or, or anything like that you know so yeah. but the problem is is you know there's a the same I don't know how far into this you want me to get immediately so sure, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. okay cool um so um. There, you know, the, the, there's uh, the phrase is, you know, that we're we're a product of our environment, yeah. and you know, the I, I'm really into uh, studying the brain just in my free time. I, I really enjoy it, and there's and I'll get to the reason why in, in a little bit, but um, it the brain is is it's so easily programmed for our, our, our children, like with our our youngest. It's funny because it, although biologically she's not mine, I call her my non-biological clone because I'm really the only dad that she's known. Yeah. And so now just being around me so much, she's mimicking my behaviors. Now, most of that's a good thing. <laughs> Some of it 
good. Not. It's funny, but so imagine, yeah. yeah, it's so you take a a kid like in that kind of environment. That see, that's good. But then when you have um a kid like me, you know, who's in a uh, a really negative environment, hearing words like that, it's you almost uh, a a person can't help but believe that. Yeah. So um, what I, t- I tell people is I was a broken kid who became a broken adult. Okay. And, um, and I always, I mean, especially growing up, I was just so passionate about God. And um, I just, I didn't understand how people didn't want to go to church. Mm-hmm. And I remember like people in my family that, that didn't want to go. And I would just be like, but, but but it's church, man. It's awesome. Um, like even as a kid, I loved the preaching. Yeah. I, I love hearing somebody teach me about the word. Oh, yeah. I love different perspectives, you know, um, their life experiences. To me, that's fun. Mm-hmm. So I always picked up on that as a kid. And uh, um, I'm trying to think where we go with this. Because well, I think we could go with uh, in the email you sent me, it was um, talking about like, the experience with the Holy spirit. So yes. we have the getting to know like how I came to Christ. Right. Okay. So at a young age, really understanding that the love aspect was the main component for me. Okay. Um, it was like, wait a second. You mean like unconditionally I understood early on, like what unconditional meant? Yeah. Because I lived in a, in an atmosphere that was conditional. Yeah. And, That's good. Yeah. and, and so it was like, Sometimes it's even now, you know, I'm 41 years old now it, and she'll have to remind me, my wife will all the time that, um, that I'm, I can slip back into that conditional mode okay. of earning God's love of, yes. well, maybe if I do all these things, God will be happy for me. Oh, you know what? God's not, maybe the blessings aren't coming right now because I messed up. Is there something I did wrong? Now there is consequences for sin. Obviously we know that, but the unconditional nature of God says, no, no, no. I I love you at your worst. Like I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, it matters to God that, you know, cause he wants us to the right path, but God's like, you can't mess up. It's, it's when it comes down to like loving, you're really talking about your identity. And I think a lot of people come to Christ at first and they say, we have this wonderful emotional experience. And then it kind of wanes off because they forget about intimacy. And, and they also forget, Hey, you know what? Like I forget that God like loves me unconditionally. This Mm -hmm. is my identity. It's who I am. I'm a child of God. All these wonderful things. I love that you brought that up. I really do. Yeah. No, no problem. And yeah, but you're right. It's the, the emotional experience and you can, you see it working in life. No Christian, not Christian. Yeah. You see it work in, in every form. It's the same, like with relationships, it's true. Um, it's so true. you know, that they call it the honeymoon phase. Yeah. And what happens when, you know, at first you don't have to work at it. Like everything's funny. Everything's cute. And, and then, well, what, what about the moments when you start getting really annoyed <laughs> You know, like, and, and so it's, yeah, (laughs) and then, and so then we slip into that, that, so now we, it takes a lot more work and that, and it's okay to say that about God too. It takes work, you know, it, it, it's not easy to get up and and pray or to, to read the Bible, um, daily, 
Well, I think it's shown in so many of the stories you read in the Bible about Jesus and the healings that he performed where almost every one required the recipient of that healing to do something as well. Mm. You know, so I feel like so many people are like, well, I accepted God, but he hasn't just poured blessings all over me now. Mm. Well, you still have to do your part. Yeah. You know, it's not, it, he's not like the grandmaster wizard that's just going to, you know, bippity boppity boo your miracles everywhere. Yeah. You know, you have to take steps and you have to work for it. You know, we being human, we are imperfect. We are fallen and we have to try yeah. to not be. That, I, I, I like, I, I like what she said there. Because when God teaches us through reading about love, love is not self-seeking. So we have to kind of get out of what can I get from God, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people miss that. I've missed that for years, you know, with my walk. And I paid for it, you know, emotionally and just with all the things that would happen to me. But that's such a good point. Thank you. And also, I think it's interesting because we see a lot of people who are sick who they say, you know, well, God could heal me if he wanted to. And that's all the effort they're going to put into Seeking out any kind of healing. It's just going to say, well, you know, they're just going to wake up one day and be healed, which could happen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, usually God wants there to be an event surrounding it, you know, an actual seeking out of healing or a healer seeking you out, not just, well, it disappeared without God getting any of the credit or acknowledgement for it. Yeah, because if that were the case, he wouldn't have, you know, given people the gift of medicine, the Mm -hmm. gift of being healers on earth, you know, through him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. All right. So anyway, we were talking about what? So the the relationship of yes. uh, of with God, and that you know. So for me, um, even as as a kid, like a, a teenager, I went from. I'm hoping this is where we're at, but we're going to pretend like it was. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's you know, using the relation uh, example is is perfect because that's what it is with God. It's a relationship. So because of the rough childhood and the things that were going on because of the con- conditional nature that I was uh, brought up to believe that even in, in, in as a kid and going into high school, that's I made my relationship with God about conditions. Mm-hmm. And because in my mind, I looked around and I saw it wasn't just the, 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 the house I lived in. There were so many different areas of life where we're instinctively taught that it's okay well you can have this if and so it's really hard to separate that in the mind and say okay well yeah but so god but you're saying you don't work this way and so there was a I, a hunger is what i had i just i didn't know how to look for it you know me the kid who was at church every time the doors were opened so i was hungry i was showing up but i wasn't um I guess I wasn't paying attention. I think that's part of it too, to be so distracted by everything else. And that's something that actually, I'm so glad I said that out loud because I I think I needed that right now as a reminder. Um, So then there is the, uh, so my my moment, this is leading to my junior year, which was the, the moment when I really had a very, very real experience with um, the Holy Spirit. And um, so I went to a Christian school, uh, Evangel Christian Academy, and anybody that went to that school during the the 90s when I was there, if you ask them about the revival, everybody knows because it shut down school for almost a full day. Mm. And um, 
I don't know who spoke. I can't even remember that part. All I know is that hunger that I was feeling, I remember um, nobody, you know, that it's so funny. If, you, if, if anybody who's in church, you, you, you'll know this. The altar call happens. And you know, as soon as the, whoever the speaker is, like the person knows, oh man, this is for me. And so then we wait and then they give the altar call and we should just step out, but that's usually not what happens. We wait for the two or other, the two or three people to step out because we're, you know, like, cause there's that fear of, oh my God, everybody's going to notice me. Yeah. Like, first of all, it's about you and God. Like who cares who notices you? Right. But that's, I remember having that same feeling and, but nobody was moving at first. And I went, no. This is literally what I was looking for. Whatever they talked about, that's that's what it was. So they, uh, I went down front, and so when I moved, a lot of other kids started moving too, and and it was like me and a few kids sort of moving kind of at the same time. Yeah. And they led us into the hallway, and it just it turned from like five to ten students into twenty into thirty into. I mean, probably 40, 50, 60 students praying for students. There was a rumbling sound, mm -hmm. you know, like that roar of people praying, you know, and mm -hmm. it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was, uh, it was cold outside, which is rare in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I remember I took off my sweatshirt. We went outside and everybody else is freezing, but I'm, I'm pouring Fire. sweat. Like, I'm like, no, I'm praying until I get what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, Gosh, once again, I needed to hear that because now I so easily want to give up praying for things because I'm like, God, you promised your covenant in Deuteronomy 28 says this. You held it, you know, then you you said it in this and and I go through the word of God and I'm like, but God, if you did all of this, then why is it my promises? Like, where is it? And so I want to give up. Yeah. But this day, there were, that hunger was, um, it wouldn't go away. And I was determined. I'm like, no, God, today I'm getting something. Mm -hmm. I'm not moving until I get something. Probably two to three hours, maybe more went by. We lost all track of time. And then all of a sudden it just, it, the prayer was more of a mumbling at this point with all of us. I think we ran out of words, you know, so we're just sitting there just kind of waiting and, and just, you could tell that like the presence of God was very strong. Mm-hmm. And then something broke it like in the atmosphere, something was different and it was crazy. Like I didn't physically like there were, there was no physical evidence as in like my body didn't move or anything. It was just, we're all standing still. There were about three or four people around me. And I remember the second it happened that there was a simultaneously the same kind of sounds of amazement. Like, wow. Yeah. I remember that, that, um, the feeling like the fact that it wasn't just that I felt it, the fact that they felt it too. And so much that they had to say something yeah. so that we, we kind of stopped praying at this point and just started thanking God for everything. I mean, that's, I just, I, all I could say was thank you just, yeah. just repeatedly, um, uh, over and over again. So, um, but then there was also, this is, the part that I usually leave out is this part because um, I've been told before that there's some things we probably shouldn't talk about as Christians. Mm -hmm. so I heard that like this rumble was far more intense than it had 
I mean, than before. Mm-hmm. And remember, we're we're a few hours into it. And it's amazing because we had students praying for students. There were some teachers and, and parents sprinkled in the mix, but it was mostly students praying for students. Okay, first of all, that never happens. I mean, at Evangel it does, but, you know, like in a normal setting, yeah. that doesn't happen. Right. But what I was hearing was far greater than what was in the hallway. I mean, like I could, and I, I could, and I really do believe I was hearing angels that were just, praying for everybody i like when i say that something inside of me goes yep you're right Mm. you know that the check of the holy spirit's going yes you can say that because that's exactly what it was but then there was this um like this this haze or like a fog that was just moving it uh, it sounds like i'm describing a movie scene but it was like i could physically see the, the Holy Spirit's like God's presence yeah. right there in the hallway. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that was a lot to take in. Um, I started <clears throat> having, um, I had visions that day about, uh, I, I saw myself on a stage in front of people. Um, in that, in that vision, I knew that I was going to be a, um, I wasn't supposed to be a preacher. Although, and at this point, remember, I'm a, I'm a church kid. So I'm thinking, I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a ministry gay because ministry, yeah. apparently, in my mind at a young age, it's like, well, if I'm a minister, I have to be a preacher. That's, <laughs> apparently, that's all there is in ministry, right? There's nothing else. Right. And, but, so the, in the vision, I, I just knew that it was, um, I was supposed to be someone who teaches people. Mm-hmm. A very, just a very, almost a very simplistic approach. Instead of overcomplicating God, just to say, it, this is it's about relationship right. and um, I also saw um, a table in front of me with multiple books on it which is quite ironic because now I'm actually writing those books and this mm-hmm. is kind of part of the story that I do love because awesome. when God makes a promise he keeps it mm-hmm. because my adult life I'm just going to tell you like I said broken kid became broken adult married multiple times divorced multiple times um, I was mimicking behavior. You're supposed to grow up, date, get married, have kids. Mm-hmm. And so I followed that pattern. I'm like, well, why isn't this working? I'm doing what you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. So I thought. <clears throat> um, but I did a lot of stupid things as an adult, like a lot of things I'm really ashamed of. So in my mind, the conditional part I was saying earlier comes in, in the mix. I'm like, no, well, the conditions, they apply in this case because God made a promise I committed almost every sin under the, the, the sun with the exception of like drugs or whatever. But, you know, but everything else, I was just like, sure, you know, just live the wildlife. I've been disqualified. There's no way God can call me to anything. At the very least, maybe I can get a good job, one day find the right relationship and just die a happy man at the end. Yeah. You know, no purpose to anything. Um, but... It's pretty amazing that when I came back to God, one of the first things I felt like God was telling me was, okay, remember those things I promised you? Mm. Let's get back to that. Wow. And that, I'm not, I'm not used to that Mm -hmm. because everything I was taught was from, oh man, I didn't want to say it was my parents, but obviously people are smart enough to figure that out. (laughs) My dad, who was never around, told me to stop living with my head in the clouds. And my mother's advice to me once was, 
Robbie, good stuff like that doesn't happen for people like us. She used a different S word instead of stuff. Mm-hmm. Use your imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's kind of the, the upbringing of, of who I was as a relationship with God and coming back, the promises. I think I covered everything there. Yeah. Usually I would talk a lot more, but I, I want to be a respecter of time as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so moving from that, um, which would you prefer to talk about for the kind of the attacks or the, the uh, other part? The suicide. Okay, go ahead. Um, that once again, it, uh, I'm saying this a lot because I feel like a lot of people miss this, that um, a lot of people who have these broken childhoods go into their daily lives as adults. Nobody teaches us how to adult. That, like I, I didn't have that as an elective in school. I don't know if y'all did, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have an adulting 101. And although I didn't go to college, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, the I applied. Yeah. I didn't see any classes for that either. Like, here's your introduction to adult. Right. Like that that wasn't a thing. So there's when you have a broken mentality and you become a broken adult, instinctively we attract people to us that are gonna confirm that that belief. It's the same thing with success. You've heard you, you know the, the phrase success breeds success. Well, why is that? It's because when you've been raised around success. And people have been speaking life into you. It's why it's important we do that with our kids. Mm-hmm. So that way when they become adults, they're going to instinctively, hopefully, attract successful people to them. Mm-hmm. So I was the opposite of that. I had those broken relationships and dating, marriage, friendships, all of them just broken, you know. And um, I never, I'm not the kind of person who's going to blame the, the, the other people. And it mean, I mean, yes, they did wrong just as well as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm taking responsibility because I know that I could have chosen better. Okay. Um, so in this, uh, but getting around to the suicide part, it's, um, I was raised around suicide. Uh, my mom uh, would threaten when it, threat, threaten uh, suicide a lot um, growing up. Uh, this is a very touchy subject because um, we're not on good terms. So there's that fear of, you know, oh my God, what if she, but um, I have, but also in my family, there's, you know, like my grandmother uh, talked about it a lot. I have a, um, the first suicide we dealt with was my aunt. Um, and then the next one was my uncle, you know, so suicide was a very common thing. So being around it, it's, it's like if people were to be like, well, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually seeking professional help as well because I think that's a very healthy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the questions they ask is, well, have you ever, do you, do you think, do you have suicidal thoughts? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I say it so nonchalantly and it throws them off, you yeah. know, right? And they're like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, red flag. Um, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, okay, well, well, have you ever, have you ever tried? And I'm like, yeah. Absolutely. Um, because it was, it was such a common thing to be around it that the thought of it was our, was always there. Yeah. Yeah. It was always an option. Right. So, but I never, it's hard for him to understand that that's not normal. Like I can honestly say, I never think about suicide ever. And for him, he's like, really? Yeah. Like, so what do you do when you can't pay bills and you're freaking out and you're like, Oh my gosh, I must be like, what kind of person am I? Like, And 
so this one in the one case with this suicide i was uh we were living in baltimore maryland um and uh you know if you ever get the chance to go there no i'm kidding no it was, it was great I, I promise perspective <laughs> um and I, i'm not much of a fighter i it's kind of pointless you know like i've never gotten in, into a, a yelling argument and thought boy, I came out the victor today. You know, that's never, not once has that happened. And so I, I try to put myself in the other position. I fell a lot at that, but I still try to see the other perspective. And, but this, whatever happened this night, I don't know all the details. Um, the, I've just, uh, I mean, because of the suicide part of this, there, there are some things that happened, you know, memories now that are affected. Um, yeah. So, uh, I just remember there being an epic fight. So I don't think a lot of those details are important. Um, just cause I want to help, you know, be conscious of the other person involved too. Yes. Um, so all I know is it, it was bad enough to where I was like, you know what? I, wh- what's, what's the point? Like, why should I keep going? Yeah. And I, I keep trying, like I keep working at things. I'm, I'm the common denominator in this. Okay, so why not? And it suicide was not a selfish action, as most people say it is. Not the like because very few people put their self put themselves in the position of the person doing it. Yeah. Ultimately, it is selfish. I, I get that, obviously, but for me, it was. I just. I can't keep hurting people anymore. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. so much better without me. Why, like? For me, the selfish act would be to stay around and torture everybody that's around me. And so I, got, I went from the second floor up down into the basement. And by the time I got there, as a person who's like, when I say I have an overactive imagination, I make people who use that phrase look so average because it's just I'm overly creative. Um, I overthink everything at almost all points. And uh, I'm a writer, so I'm that so it all plays in. Yeah. yeah. And... So by the time I got into the basement, I already knew what I was going to do because I can come up with stuff like that in any scenario. When I write writing prompts, I just think about that. I, I, I don't have to. It just comes to me. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I got down there and I, I hung myself with, with an extension cord. Now it's in a basement and I'm six foot nine. Okay. I just want to point out it took a lot of creativity on my part. Okay. <laughs> I know this shouldn't be a joke, but it's so long ago. I think it's okay to make a joke. Yeah. Um, but it does. It it's it's gets very serious um the human brain can go about 15 minutes tops without oxygen Mm -hmm. and according to a couple of different medical journals i've read it says that chances of survival beyond that point is highly unlikely that part's very important i was hanging there for anywhere from like 35 to 40 minutes Mm. so i'm i'm about tripling that that time frame yeah i was dead I died. So people say, oh, it was a suicide attempt. I'm like, no, I, I committed suicide. I was successful. I'm just, I'm bad at the dying part. I just keep <laughs> coming back to life. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the first thing I remember was complete and total darkness. And it wasn't, um, so people, I had one person say, so you didn't see anything. I'm like, no, see, no, I did. I saw the darkness, like I could see it. It was everywhere. It was like, it just as well as I could reach out and, and grab y'all, I felt like I could reach out and grab 
the darkness. I know that may not make sense, but to me it does because I was there. Yeah. And I heard what sounded like. Uh, this part, and this part still gets me because it's it's like it's not so much of a torment thing with me anymore. It's a good reminder mm-hmm. of why I want to get out there and share my story okay. because I don't want people to go to hell. Nobody deserves it. And I've had some pretty crappy people in my life hurt me and my kids. They don't deserve it. But I heard what sounded like millions of screams. And that scared me. Um, the worst part of it, though, was the complete and total absence of God's presence. Like, I'm not making that up. Like, I re- that was nothing compared to that. So that, how I said it, like, how I said it just a couple minutes ago, like how I... You know, the sin and chasing the wildlife and doing all of that. That's the moment I realized the darkness part. Like when I'm, and I really believe that God allowed me to experience hell. I don't know how that lines up with word, but I know that this is, I, I undoubtedly, that's what it was. Yeah. And every moment before that, when I felt alone, when I felt like I didn't have anybody, now I realize, oh, are you like God was with me? Literally his presence was with me the entire time. So these people who want to debate and say that God's presence isn't real, you know, the, the atheistic point of view, which is the most absurd thing in the world to me, by the way, it's, I mean, I can understand disclaimer. I give, I'm sometimes I'm very poor at giving examples. So I hope everybody can like read between what I'm about to say. I could almost see believing in other, like, if you're a different region, you grow up in a different place and you believe in a different God. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But to say you're an atheist makes no sense to me at all. Right. Especially now that I've experienced what the presence of God felt like. Mm-hmm. So even when I was at my worst and I was really good at doing the worst, that presence was very real. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So those people who feel alone, they're not at all. So, as quickly as I was in that moment, it felt like at time was so, what's the right word? Ir- irrelevant. It just wasn't, you know, like I know that I was hanging for like 40 minutes about, but it felt like I, like I was in that moment for like 30 or so. But then just as there was darkness, I was completely surrounded by light, like almost instant. So, okay, technically surrounded is not even the right word either. There, there were no shadows. It wasn't just around me. It was in me, through me, all. It was everywhere. Yeah. And um, it was, now it's that, that presence of, like, like, I knew this. The day, that, my junior year, that I was outside, where I finally grasped the concept of unconditional love, when I finally found what I was looking for, although I was saved, I just, that's that moment when everything just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, like Neo at the end of the matrix, the third one, when he just burst in light goes everywhere. That's kind of how that moment was for me, my junior year, spoiler alert. But if you haven't seen the movie by now, that's your fault. <laughs> um, but so that, that light, I mean, it was, it's like, it was, it was everywhere. And the part I, this, see, again, I'm so hesitant talking about this because I've had people look at me very strangely when talking about this. But the next thing was, is that I was held by Jesus. 
And I'm always confused about this part because I, you know, my recollection of the word of God is that, that all the tears would be taken away that, but I clearly remember being embraced and that crying while he was holding me was a good thing. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's like when your kids hurt, that's a perfect example. Yeah. When your kids hurt, it's to embrace them. The embracing isn't technically taking away that pain, but it does something. Yeah. We get to experience on such a minute level in comparison to what the love of Jesus is. Yeah. I don't remember a lot about that moment. I do remember, once again, time frame, if I'm putting that in perspective, it felt like an hour, two hours, three. It felt like such a long time. And then he said, Robbie, I love you, and I'm not done with you yet. And to me, that is like, that's a, I mean, he identified me, yeah. Robbie, validated me, I love you, and gave me purpose all in one, in one, in one phrase. Yeah. And that, if anybody wants to know why I believe what I do, Tell me how that's a bad thing. Convince me that I have a God who identifies me, a God who loves me unconditionally. I don't want to cry. (laughs) And a God who gives me purpose, even though I've messed up so bad that he says, no, but it's okay. Because fast forward and I was going through a very ugly divorce and and the, the surrounding circumstances were pretty messed up. And... And it really was just, you know, I just say it's, it was my fault for being a moron, you know, or not being the husband I was supposed to be or the, not even the father I was supposed to be. You know, I was just so lost. And uh, I was driving down the road and there was something that some information had just come, was made public and, and I, it broke me. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Pulled, I pulled over on the side of the road and I just started crying. And because I'm so tall. You'll understand this because you're also tall, but um, for those of you that didn't know, uh, but um, so I have to, in order for me to fit in a car, I kind of have to lean the seat back a little bit. You know, people call it G riding. You know, it's a joke I make. I'm like, I have to G ride it, but it's not because I'm trying to be cool. I swear, you know, I'm, I'm like the super white dad. Okay. Um, but the, that means that the, the passenger seat is further up. And so sometimes what I do when I'm in my car and I'm overwhelmed, I will, lay my head I'll close my eyes and I'll lay my head on the seat mm-hmm. mimicking like I'm like I'm putting my head on Jesus shoulder mm-hmm. and um so in that moment I remember hearing the words again Robbie I love you and I'm not done with you yet so it's crazy to me that with all the messing up and where I thought my life was like completely falling apart that once again Jesus reminded me he's like no listen I still know who you are Mm -hmm. my love hasn't changed and I still have a purpose for you his the the word of God first of all is full of that you know I mean the 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 verse and gosh I say everybody quotes it and I'm ultimate brain fart right now but uh, where it says it, you know, I have a purpose, you know, like, yeah. I have a purpose for you. Yeah. Like he's just pretty much saying like, look, I, I, I literally 
have something specific for you. And uh, it does remind me of the story of Joseph. I love that story because with everything, although he lived righteously, everything that he that happened to him put him in a position where he could represent the people well. Mm-hmm. So the prison, you know, being mistreated by his brothers, God, in, at the end of it, still used everything, no matter how bad it was. And that's the moment of God reconfirming, Robbie, I love you. I'm not, I'm not done with you yet. It was, he was just confirming once again. He's like, no, I, I need you to understand your life has purpose. Mm-hmm. And I remind myself of that all the time. And, and we know it's like, uh, sometimes I feel like it's a little nod from God because it's one thing for people to say each one of those phrases individually, individually, right? Like break it up. Like God loves you. Okay. We, we've heard that. Right. God has a purpose for you. We've heard that. But there will be those moments when somebody's talking to me or sometimes they'll be talking to me, my wife, and, um, and they'll say, man, you don't forget God loves you and he's not done with you yet. They'll use that phrase and we'll just be like, there's no way you just said that. And it's like God is so intentional for, with us to say, hey, I don't, I don't want you to forget. I, I can't let you forget because your purpose is so, is greater. It's so much so, oh, I'm, I'm so scatterbrained too because I get so pumped up, okay? <laughs> that in the New Testament, it says that anything you could think or imagine, that God can do infinitely above anything that we could think or imagine. Okay, let me just remind y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm an overthinker. I am one of the most creative people on planet Earth. I mean, I, I'm so, and I know that I was so uniquely created by God. I know that. That's a huge, it's like God's putting down the gauntlet to say, no, okay, listen here, big boy. I can do infinitely above. And I'm like, are, are you sure? Are you, do you know who I am? Are you sure about this? And, but man, anyway, I, I, but that, I think that's all of that part. Sorry, I, I get so I just want to run. I just I'll, I'll just read the whole Bible to you right now. Like let's let's do it. <laughs> so that's a pretty awesome, awesome situation. I mean, I I don't know why some Christians will look at you and say, well, you know, kind of give you awkward looks or whatever. But like it's just like I don't I don't even understand that because he he gives us his presence, which is a very thing that we can't mm-hmm. see. He, he does things like you're reading the testimony, you know, uh, or in the New Testament, you know, like he can do anything that we can't even imagine. So why can't he do what you just said? And plus, while you're saying that, you know, I'm getting filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit, part of his job is to testify when truth is being told. Yes. Right. He teaches you all things. So he's teaching us. So do you want to brush up on uh, on the on the darkness side of it? Um, yeah okay touch on that real quick this would be the last thing yeah it's I think this is very important Um, you know the Bible makes it very clear that we have an enemy and and let's just I mean Jesus was like so straightforward about it (laughs) to kill still and destroy Mm -hmm. there is nothing sugar-coated about that and um, there's there's so many different aspects about 
Well, I, you know, just the dark side of, of, of Christianity, because uh, I've always told people there is a, even for people who don't believe, everybody agrees there is a good in this world and there's an evil in this world. And it, there, there are just things that we can't, that most people who don't know God, they can't quite explain it. Mm-hmm. So what they'll do is they'll call it pseudoscience. We'll put a stamp on it and we'll just put it in a file folder somewhere. Let's forget about it. Let's just not talk about it. Yeah. But it's a very real thing. And um, I do believe that because we are fallen creatures, we are we do live in a fallen world. Um, I do I, I do think that sometimes we give too much credit to the devil. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, like neurologically, I'm 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 different. You know, I was diagnosed late in life with autism spectrum disorder, so I don't think like other people. My outlook of life is different. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with me because nothing's wrong with me. I'm just different neurologically. My brain doesn't work like everybody else's does, like most atypical people. Um, and I'm, th- this serves a point, I, I, I promise. So there's moments when, I, you know, it's just stress. Now, we know that the Word of God says everything good and perfect comes from God. So even when I'm having a moment and I know it's not a like a spiritual attack, mm-hmm. I can still put that verse before God and say, no, okay, God, look, right now I'm overwhelmed. Right now, Here's what my brain is doing. Now I'm going to save those details because I love the neurological part of who we are. I love the the chemicals, the everything, the way we respond. And yeah. God created all those for a reason. So when we have these responses, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Our awareness of it is the part that we miss out on. And so that's, I, I try to become aware of it. So on one side, I am, I know how to identify things that are just, okay, this is just a moment. God, I'm going to get on top of it. It's something I'm working with now. But then there's the the things that are legitimate spiritual attacks. I have seen things, even just recently in, in my bedroom. Uh, I suffer with nightmares. Um, I, I have such a, uh, a, I mean, such a horrible childhood, physical abuse, uh, sexually abused, uh, the mental abuse, the things in my adult life, things I can't talk about, you know, um, that there's just a lot I've seen. So part of it, and, and I, I don't want to minimize the spiritual side of things mm-hmm. ever, but when somebody sees those kind of things, when you're raised around it, it's, it's again, it's your brain can't help but respond a certain way. Yeah. So nightmares, it's, it's different when it's just, I'm having a bad nightmare and then I wake up and, and I'm like, okay. But you know what? I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm in the home. And usually I'll just, because I'm waking up, I say I pray, but it's more like, God, I'm blah, 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 and I'm probably just <laughs> mumbling. And I know God <laughs> interpretates. I'm so glad he does because I'm just talking gibberish. And um, and I can always know that, okay, I'm good and I can go back to sleep. Then there's those moments when the dream changes, the the. We have a very real enemy. Once again, it's, it's very real. And our enemy is very good at what he does. And most of the time, if not all the time, he's using truth. It's just like when we read about Jesus in, in, in the wilderness and Satan comes to, to tempt him. He used, everything he used, number one, was biblically based, right? Okay. And truth but he manipulates it. The manipulation is so huge because it's like, 
the, the things that happened in my past that sometimes, and I'll admit the guilt, which is not from God at all. Um, something I'm working on, you know, things I just, I carry with me, you know, I think that's one thing that a lot of people deal with. And what the enemy does is he comes in, he takes that information and will twist it, distort it, manipulate it. So it's based on truth or an actual event, but it's evil. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's such an evil moment. Everybody knows it. It's that eerie, just like I'm dirty. If I could take a shower and get this off of me, I would. And I think, yeah, that, that has to, for me, that's like the number one thing. Like I had a nightmare, um, a few weeks ago and I woke up and I couldn't move. Now I do understand that sleep and the, the, again, the science behind it and this was a legitimate presence in my room, though, because I could see it. Yeah. Like, I saw it. Yeah. This wasn't my, my, my mind um, still doing the thing that it does while I'm asleep. It wasn't that. I know it wasn't. I know what that is. Yeah. This was a legitimate physical manifestation. And you said you couldn't move? I couldn't move. Okay. We had Samarica Gibson on not too long ago, and she kind of said the exact same things. Wow. Is the presence would come in mm-hmm. and at times she, you know, she couldn't move while yeah. she's seeing the presence. So anyway, and the, the thing to know too, is that, um, I believe that there's, uh, significance in anointing. Mm-hmm. So I have, I mean, in my pocket right now, I have two little vials. One has uh, anointing oil and the other one has, it's, I mean, a little bitty vial and the other one has mustard seeds in it. Just so that way, when I'm, I just started doing this. So when people talk about faith, I want to be like, okay, let me, let me show you something. <laughs> I'm just going to hand them one little seed and be like, that's all you got to do. Yeah. Just have that. So I've anointed, uh, all four bedposts. I've anointed every door frame, every corner. I mean, I've gone, I mean, there some places in the house you can see the marks that I've, I've, cause I'm, I'm like, nope, God, I, th- I think there's, I really do believe there's power in it. I, I, cause I'm praying over, it. I'm anointing my house. I'm the head of my house. I'm taking charge of it. Yeah. And the fact that that still happens, I do think it should show how strong these evil, well, the evil is, you know, yeah. how strong the enemy is. He's not a, a little weakling. But the beauty of it is, and what I really, my favorite part is that God is stronger because Almost every moment, because yeah. sometimes it's very hard for me to, to talk. And that one night, I remember just, go, I mean, I, I really thought that I was going to wake up everybody in the house because it was this loud. Yeah. Um, I, I just yelled the, the best I could, Jesus. And I could move. Mm. The room felt different. Mm. The thing was gone. And just by the name, just, just by the name, I couldn't say, I couldn't say anything else. Yeah. Of course, after that, I started hyperventilating a little bit because it sunk <laughs> in what just happened. I was like, and I, I wanted to like text and call everybody be like, because <laughs> yeah. it should be so scared because I was a little bit, but I want to be like, yeah. oh my God, this is awesome. Like, yeah. who's going to hear this and not think I'm crazy? And because yeah. it was not because of that, the darkness that was, it's because it had to leave when I said Jesus, it had to. Yeah. It's like it didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And this we actually discussed in a Bible study the other day was when Jesus was in the wilderness and when Satan was there tempting him, 
at the end of it, Jesus told him to leave. And he did. He has to leave. That's true. I mean, when you when you call them out in the name of Jesus, they have to leave. You yeah. know, there's nothing, there's no power greater than that when you can just mm-hmm. call on the name of Jesus and that anything evil surrounding you, they have to go. Yeah. I have a very good friend who, whenever she experiences anxiety or depression or anything like that, you know how it gets sometimes where it's overwhelming and you just don't really have it didn't need to, to pray it away. She just says Jesus over and over again until it's gone. She says it's never failed him. You know, it just yeah. eventually goes away. I'll tell I'll tell just a quick story and then we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much for telling me that. The first thing is no weapon formed against you shall prosper, like even the enemy. So it's always good to keep that verse in the back of your mind, especially when you're dealing with any kind of manifestation. Uh, here recently, after I started this podcast, I had a very physical attack from a presence I didn't see where I was riding down the road, and uh, as I was just riding down the road, I felt a presence in front of me, a very negative presence just on the steering wheel. And and so I was like, okay. And then it pushed up against my body. And so it was fear. It wasn't, you know, the Holy Spirit. And then it pushed through my body. Mm. Well, when it pushed through my body, my head became covered with fear and I started instantly hyperventilating thought I was going to die having all these terrible thoughts in my head I was luckily I was only about 10 minutes from my house uh went out got it continued to happen went out uh got out of my car went in my house and started doing spiritual warfare against the thoughts that were happening in my in my head which were terrible thoughts so I was saying no weapon will form against me shall prosper Jesus where are you and and so this went on for about 30 minutes and then it mm-hmm. dissipated. So, but that's never happened to me before. It definitely shook me up for a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, i tell you that because it just never happened. That's never happened before. And like you said, like, you know, you tell people about this, they're like, well, he needs to go to Brentwood or whatever the case may be. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it was very real to me and, yeah. and I couldn't see it. And although it physically touched me, you know, spiritually touched me. I don't even know how do you say that, mm-hmm. but the weapon did not prosper. It went away. It was gone. Right. Uh, just by fighting it and using the techniques that Jesus gave me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I believe it was something because we're doing this podcast, expressing these things, doing these things. I felt like it was an attack from maybe yeah. from that angle. Like, well, and hey, also you. it's, it's shining a spotlight on, on something that's very real. Yeah. And, it's no enemy. Let's talk about I mean, in a physical sense. If, if, if we're in war with someone and then we get the plans of the enemy, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that whoever got those plans is destroyed because that means they're going to lose. Yeah. Because then we're, because, and so now with this on a, on a spiritual sense, they already know they're going to lose. Yeah. Okay. Read the end of the Bible. Read what Jesus said. It, it's it's very clear, and that's a good reminder. And and so when the spiritual thing happens, you know, yeah, there's manipulation, but there the fear is very real. Yeah. The fear comes in, and, and sometimes it will use once again very real thought. Intimidation to me is probably one of the biggest ones in my life. Yeah. Fear and intimidation are the two, yeah. because it's anything that could um, pull out that that negative thing in our life or maybe and sometimes it doesn't mean something bad happened to us it's taking something like but look at your family look at this you know like for me it's it's thoughts of 
well, you, you're, you're not working. Yeah. You're not bringing any money right now. Who cares what your dream is to, to help all these people? Yeah. What good does that do you if you can't even? And so these things come in and the enemy's like, well, okay, he's starting to get everything else. So now I have to intimidate. Mm. Now I have to instill some type of fear because mm. the other stuff isn't working. That's right. And he's going to go through his arsenal over and over and over again because he's very good at it. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, but that's, that's and sometimes it, it is a battle too. Yeah. You know, it says it won't, it won't prosper. It doesn't mean it, it's not going to sting for a little bit. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but it won't, it won't prosper. And I, I think that he even promises there's not one hair on your head that is encountered that, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, he has given us a great amount of authority over the enemy. Not that, you know, we should, uh, use that to our, you know, use that in a, in a way that's disrespectful and, and things like that towards, you know, who we battle. But, um, but Hey, this was a pretty amazing podcast. We thank you so much for being on. This is, this was episode five of, uh, of witness podcast. You're, you're working on short stories right now. Can we find you on Facebook or do you have any kind of like, um, Facebook, Robbie M Bowman. Okay. Um, that's also my website, RobbieMBowman.com. There's some short stories on there. Uh, some blogs I do. I like to be, be very, very vulnerable with the things I write when I'm trying to help people. Yeah. Um, that throws people off, but there's always a purpose. Yes. So, yeah, they go check it out over there. That's awesome. Joyce, what about you? I know you're teaching. And do you have any kind of uh, social media or anything? That- um, I just do the normal Facebook thing. They pick on me because I don't know... Instagram, or I know Facebook, and I know Pinterest, and that's about the extent of it right now. So, um, yeah, my time is taken up with my own kids, and then yeah. you know the hundreds I have at school, and yeah. so. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you for. Uh, we are internationally being heard now. We are internationally being heard. Uh, so I saw that the other day on the uh, podcast analytics. I'm like, ha, four people in different countries. Wow. So I got to, cool. I don't know which countries, but anyway, uh, but it's all, it's all to God's glory. This is all to God's glory. It's not about us or anything else. Uh, but we w- do want to say thank you so much for listening. And again, thank you so much for being here. Both of you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. To help the podcast grow, you can subscribe, download, rate, and review us on the Apple uh, Podcast app. You can also follow us on Instagram at WitnessPod. We also have a Facebook page, just Witness Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or would like to share your testimony, you can email us at WitnessPod at gmail.com. And we'll make sure to link you to Robbie's website in the show notes in case you have any more questions. Um, questions for him or if you'd like to read his short stories.